This week, we're doing two episodes. On this episode, Tom Warren joins us to talk about the next generation of consoles. That's PS5, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, reviews of all of them. Then there's an Apple event next week, new Macs with ARM processors. Got to talk about that. That's coming up now. If you game, you know settling into your battle station feels enlivening. But gaming on Alienware gear with Intel Core i9 processors, it's more than that. It's a feeling you won't forget. It's where intentional design blurs the line between fantasy and reality. It's where your gear feels like an extension of you. Sometimes it's so immersive, so responsive, you can't tell yourself from your machine. If you're ready to feel one with your gear, start gaming at Alienware.com, featuring the Alienware M15. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Let's talk about your cell phone carrier. When you think about your plan, does what you're getting feel fair? When it comes to staying connected, don't settle. When you switch to U.S. Cellular, not only do you upgrade to fair, you're also joining a reliable network you can trust to have your back. No hidden requirements, no activation fees. Now that's fair. Learn more at uscellular.com. Hello and welcome to Flagship Podcast of the Next Generation. It's like it's good. It's like a hopeful. It's it's just a Star Trek podcast. We're just going to talk about John Luke Picard for the next two hours. You know, in many ways, I think we are. I'm your friend Eli. That is Dieter Bone. Hi, Dieter. Hey, how's it going? Tom Warren is here. Hello there. How are you? We're, we're doing all right, Tom. So we've brought in a Brit on this the 45th day of the American election. Here's what we're going to do. The election is not over as we record this. We're recording this on Thursday night. There is a lot of just dead ahead tech news to talk about there. Uh, we had Xbox reviews. Uh, Tom did an Xbox review. We have PS five news coming. Tom has written an explainer of how the controller works, which is apparently amazing. There's an Apple event next week. We're expecting our Macs. a lot of dead ahead gadget tech news to talk about. And then there is a lot of election news, particularly platform policy election news. I was talking to Dieter earlier. We could not figure out how to manage the transition between those two things in one episode. (laughs) We just couldn't. I was like, there's no segue available here. Yeah. What's the audio equivalent of just like a line break, just like an HR bar? You know, on the website, you're just like, oh, we'll just put a break. It'll be fine. Yeah. Right. Boop. We just couldn't. I mean, I think we've done a reasonably successful job of keeping it all together. But this week is just too much. So we're going to do something a little bit of an experiment. We're going to have two smaller sized episodes. We'll we'll go over regardless. I'm not going to tell you how long we think they're going to be because we're going to go over, but we're going to do this episode, Xbox, PS5, Apple event. There's some other stuff to talk about. That's this one. We're going to do another episode with Addy, both going to be in the feed at the same time with Addy. We're obviously going to talk about the election platform policy, what Twitter, Facebook, YouTube have been doing around the massive amount of disinformation and chaos uh, that has come about in this election process. So both episodes are in the feed. If you want to hear the policy talk, go check out our conversation with Addy. If you come for the gadgets, here we are. We're going to talk about gadgets. The other thing I'm not doing is I'm not going to update the COVID website count this week. (laughs) It's 34 weeks, but hopefully we're done talking about it. So we'll get back to uh, the pandemic is still the biggest story in the world. I just think this week it is in some ways been eclipsed by what will happen with the future of American politics. So 34 weeks, we'll come back, we'll check in on COVID. We'll do all that stuff next week. This is the Xbox PS5 Apple episode. If you want to go talk about election policy platform stuff, go check out the Addy episode. Clear? Clear. Okay. Tom Warren. Hello. There's like three new consoles, right? The Series X, the Series S, the PS5. You reviewed the Series X and the Series S this week. How'd it go? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I, I went to bed at four a.m. and got up at seven a.m. today, so that's how it went. <laughs> um, it's been yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a ride. Yeah, can we just really quickly? Our listeners are savvy, and so they know that the job of reviewing a console isn't actually fun. It is work. Like you're playing games, but you're playing games with an eye towards judging things, and that's a completely different experience than just playing a video game. Yeah, I thought I thought it was gonna be fun. I was like, yeah, I'll do two Xbox reviews. It's gonna be fun. And then I was like, no, no, no it's not. Never again. <laughs> I'll wait ten years until I do this again. Um, but yeah, so we we took a look at the Series X and the Series S, and they're basically very similar sort of consoles, except they're very different. 
Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so one's four nine nine, the other one's two nine nine, and like the four nine nine is the real like you know PS five compared to, and the the two nine nine console is the sort of like it's the budget one, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's the sort of snackable Xbox, the little tiny Xbox, and yeah, I, I feel like both of them, even though they're very different, um, they kind of do very similar things, and I feel like they're they're very similar to like a PC. So like in in different generations before or like the whole idea of like a next gen console is that it brings something new and it like pushes the you know different games forward and tech tech forward. I'm not seeing that yet with with any of these consoles to be honest. Maybe with the PS5's controller. Um but I feel like we're at a point where games uh, it's in the past you, you've had like these big jumps, right? In 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 generations and I don't think that jump is necessarily here yet. Um, so the Xbox represents that in the in the best way possible because it just feels like you've upgraded your PC. The claims from both of these companies is the ray tracing for graphics is like the big graphical jump, yeah, uh, higher frame rate uh, at 4K, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess load times, right? Like for yeah. the, for the Xbox specifically and the Series X specifically, that is supposed to be this generation's equivalent of. I don't know, the N64 jumping to 3D or, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, the big jump is for each console generation. But it seems like you can't just point to one of those things and be like, yep, this is this is better in that way for sure. It's just everything is a little bit nicer and faster in lots of different ways that, it, like your review said, felt the, like the equivalent of upgrading your PC. Yeah. And like, I know every every generation new console comes out, it always takes a little while for the games to catch up anyway. Right. Um, but I think with, with the Xbox this time, instead of like, they haven't got these new games. Like that's one of the, the key missing parts. Like, like to me, so if I was unboxing an Xbox next Tuesday, um, when they all come out, um, I think I would be super excited about the load times, super excited that, you know, everything runs a bit faster and stuff. But I think I would be missing that, like, that super excitement about something new. Right. Um, there's always something exciting about something brand new, whether it's like a new iPhone that has like magnets on the back and you're like, Ooh, you know, you, yeah. no, I, you know, I, I will say this. Uh, I've had the past two new iPhones I've purchased. I've been like, Oh, it's still just iOS. Yeah. You yeah. have that moment where you're like, Oh, and then like five minutes after you're done playing with it, you're like, Oh wait, this is, this feels the same. Nothing's changed. It's, yeah. This yeah. is iOS. And I, it feels like the, 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 because they didn't change the dashboard, it's very much the same for the series x right pretty much yeah i think the, the like the basically using the console is exactly the same like it's, there's no differences there. it's it all a little bit faster obviously in the dashboard and stuff you'd expect it's just where the games get optimized and updated that's where it can be like you know transformative for certain games because they're running at like an old sluggish 30 frames a second which does feel like if you're used to like someone like me i'm used to playing at like 200 frames on a gaming pc and like it's you know super fast and if i go back to 30 frames a second i sometimes actually feel physically sick like that's not even (laughs) an exaggeration like it it depends on the game but like genuinely sometimes it does throw you a little bit um and i think a a bunch of people are used to 30 frames per second but once they once they feel 60 frames a second and beyond it's like going from like gigabit in- internet and going back to 56k modem, right? Like the step back is like so dramatic that you would want to keep at 60 frames forward. You know, one of the points in your review that I think is super interesting uh, with regards to the Xbox anyway, is that the, your ability to choose what you prioritize in the visual presentation of the game is approaching like the PC zone. So you're saying you would prioritize high frame rates, my instinct is like just I'm bad at video games. It's not like my reaction times matter. Like I'm crashing the car anyway. You know, it's like be honest. Make it as beautiful as possible. Right? Like I would prefer to have more details, better lights and sh- like I'm just looking around in most yeah. games and then quickly quickly dying. But that's the thing like for for you that's there and for me who wants higher frame rates that's there. So like we're getting to this point where you do have these modes and obviously on the PC you just have like sliders, right? You just crank all the settings up or crank them down. So so much granular detail. You obviously don't need so much of that on the console, but it's just so simplified. It's just a flick of a switch, right? And it's just it's just nice to have that. And I feel like if we can get even more modes in there, um, I feel like it's, it's that's great. Choice is great, right? So Yeah, but it does show the limits of computing power right now, right? Like what we can make with a game has run ahead of what a reasonably priced consumer piece of hardware can do. What you would want in the new generation of a new console is to just 
everything's set to max, all sliders at max all the time, right? That's that's what you would expect from like the good one. Uh, but that's just not possible. Has that ever happened though? No, because like, so, so the hardware that's put inside these things, like you, you, you're like, I have a $3,000 gaming PC, right? I can run watchdogs at max uh, frames, max everything, max mm-hmm. ray tracing. You just can't achieve that on a $500 um, right. sort of miniature PC, essentially. Um, everything's shrunk down and smaller. But isn't the story usually that it's at the end of the console life cycle that you get the most performance squeezed out of it? Yeah. So I think here what's particularly interesting is, is, you know, Tom's frame of this is more like a PC upgrade than your standard generational leap is that the games are being updated, but that big optimization push that takes years isn't quite pulling all of the performance out of it, which I, that's just a little bit of a change. in I think the curve of what we expect to me, the one that always comes to mind is the launch of the 360, which is ages ago. Mm-hmm. Children, the Xbox 360 was a video game console. Uh, <laughs> it was a circle. It wasn't a circle. It should have been a circle. Anyway, um, that was the one that we moved to 16 by nine aspect ratios. We moved to HD. Like this was a big change. Yeah. It mm-hmm. wasn't just we're pushing more pixels. It was we are re-architecting how game consoles work. It's online all the time. And it just took a few years before everyone really understood what to do with it. So for me, for this generation, the big open question is, will we see that pattern repeat or are these things in their their core architecture, their processors, their GPUs and the the way that they access storage so much closer to the way that a traditional gaming PC works that those optimizations like will come faster. Like the the reason that games got so good towards the end of these other life cycles is there's like particular things that you can do to squeeze out extra performance out of the, you know, specialized components that are inside a console. The components inside the Xbox Series X, like they're not they're really they're so much closer to what you've got in a PC in terms of like coding, I think, that we may not see like that spike at the end of the console's generation. Yeah, I feel like the, the the problem with this generation is ray tracing, right? So that that thing's pretty heavy. Like, there's always something that, that they they promise with these consoles, right? Like, so for the for the Xbox One originally and the PS4, it was 1080p. That was the yep. target, right? Um, and it never quite hit there at the beginning, and it took a while to get there, and then it roughly got there. I mean, pretty much the PS4 did anyway. And then the Xbox One X came along, and it was like we're doing 4K, um, and it didn't quite get there, like. And then it did, and it took a while. And I think this time it's like we're doing ray tracing, and like at the moment on PC, that like if if I whack all the ray tracing settings on and stuff in some games, I don't even get thirty frames um, right. with with like you know an expensive graphics card. So I think the reality of ray tracing is going to be pretty limited, um, and that's going to be like the the point where we push up against, and the optimizations will have to be found there. Um, they are doing like on the PC side, they do something that's called like super sampling. So it will basically, it uses like a, like NVIDIA is using like an AI system to like scan the game and then upscale from a lower resolution image to a higher one. Um, so it'd be super interesting to see if that comes to these consoles, cause that will sort of like help with the hit from ray tracing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always something they need to bump up against and something that will only, we'll only really see really highly ray trace games like in a couple of years, right? I think realistically. So can we talk about the games library? So, you know, everyone knows that there aren't like launch titles for this Xbox. Like the big one at the launch day, like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this game. It's going to look and feel amazing. And it's the reason to go buy this console. But there's like a bunch of games that are being optimized, not all of them. And it has repercussions for, I don't know how you store them and like where, where they go. So what is the, and then of course the other big thing is there's Xbox Game Pass Ultimate something something, and so where do you see the state of like the games that are available to play for either of these consoles? Because to me, I am really t- we're going to try and do you know one versus PlayStation later, but I'll just tell you that right now I'm really torn between the desire to have this simple ecosystem of uh, Netflix for games that Microsoft offers and what to me seems like clearly superior hardware and exclusive games on the PS5. Like I'm, I'm genuine. I don't know which one I'm going to get. I might end up getting them both. Yeah. And, and I guess that sort of decision I think is a lot of people. And I think that's why the, the series S exists, right? Like the cheaper mm. consoles is like, Oh, this is our basically our Xbox game pass console. Um, just at a lower resolution. But yeah, in terms of like exclusives, they obviously don't, they don't, they have some exclusives at launch, but they're like, you know, indie games. 
games and there's not the AAA Halo, you know, right. it was supposed to be Halo Infinite and that got delayed because it didn't look that great when they showed it. <laughs> they got to fix so. that one model for that one brute or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like it's missing that. Um, it's definitely missing those games. Um, and let's be honest, the Xbox One throughout its generation was missing games. Um, yeah. Obviously, Microsoft's done Xbox Game Pass, which has like helped sort of offset that. Um, they've made a lot of promises. They've acquired Bethesda. They're you know uh, acquiring sort of game studios all the time. To be honest, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of promise there. Um, there's the promise that these games will eventually come. They're just not here at the moment. So I think they're relying on like you know the, uh, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, Watch Dogs, uh, Cyberpunk, those sort of things to be the draw. Um, for this particular console um but there was obviously available on the ps5 so um, right. it's really it's really game pass and and those sort of around launch games should we say not all of them are at launch yeah i feel like if you're relying on assassin's creed you're like you're betting against exclusivity <laughs> like you, can, you can play assassin's creed on a number of samsung refrigerators at this point like as you have like, obviously reviewed the console but game pass seems like a markedly different way to think about owning, acquiring, playing video games. Did you feel that right away or it was just like, well, I'm paying for another subscription service now? Yeah, I think like, so Game Pass is incredible value at the moment, right? Like you pay 10 bucks a month and you get more than 100 games. You can stream them and you can play them actually on consoles as well. So it's more like the the, the streaming side of it is like an add-on. Um, but it's, it is shaping out to be sort of like a Netflix for games. But it does come with the fact that it's all digital. You don't own these games. They can disappear. If publishers just decide, you know, we don't want that game on there anymore. It's gone. If Microsoft decides to put the prices up, we see that frequently with Netflix, um, the price will go up. So there's, I think we are heading to an era in gaming, which is a little uncomfortable perhaps. Cause if, if, if the same thing happens with like the Netflix side of things and we get a bunch of different streaming services and you, you have to have a subscription for the games you want to play, then you end up paying quite a lot of money when you could have just bought those games right individually. So I feel like we're, we're at a sort of tipping point to see how Microsoft does with this. Cause they're the ones that are really kind of leading the way in the gaming side, to be honest. Stadia is obviously doing their own thing and a bunch of other cloud streaming services, Amazon as well, but none of them, none of them have the breadth and the, the content that Microsoft does at the moment. So, but if Sony starts spinning up, if Nintendo starts spinning up, it's going to be interesting times. Uh, but I feel like Xbox game pass is, is great value for now and i think it will be you know in in the future it's just i do i do worry about the ownership side and you know the pricing and everything like that getting locked into that sort of subscription you know how a bunch of websites we used to do this too uh they'll, they'll put what's coming to netflix and what's leaving netflix in like yeah. the next 30 days and like oh this is leaving netflix i gotta go watch everything now uh the idea that you're gonna need to keep an eye on what's gonna leave xbox game pass and you're gonna have to like oh my god this game is gonna disappear in a week i need to try and finish it right now and get yeah. crank 40 hours into a game or something that's what i'm afraid of yeah i, th- I think at the moment like game pass is so is, is really good if you don't really know what you want to play or you just want to discover some games um mm-hmm. there's, there's so much on there it's great for that it's, especially if you're new to an xbox right like it's a great starting point to like and and they've got all the ea games coming to it and stuff it's like there's a lot but yeah i just don't know where it's heading so. so the other thing that's really interesting to me is how much you seem to love the xbox series s like is it just <laughs> because it's so small and cute like i I just like I don't know. This is something most people are like. Oh, I want to get the good one, but there's something that's appealing about the the Series S. Is just like I'll get it as my Game Pass machine. Yeah, and I think that that's pretty much what it is. Like to, to me, I keep describing it as a 1080p machine. So like, there's a lot of people who still play on 1080p TVs, whether it's mm-hmm. in their living room or in their bedrooms. A lot of kids still play on 1080p TVs and monitors, um, and it feels like it's designed for those sort of people. Um, they don't care about 4K. They, you know, they're perfectly fine with 1080p. They haven't experienced perhaps 4K and the benefits of it, and they don't really care about it. And yeah, it does feel like the perfect Game Pass machine, and it's just so small. And I think I've I come into my living room and I see like the PS5, and I'm like, whole like every time I'm like, holy, <laughs> like this thing is so big. Uh, and I see the Xbox on the side, and I'm like someone knocked over my xbox like <laughs> these things are just like strangely designed <laughs> this this time around I like and, and i feel like the the s is just like it's not the greatest design but like I, I way prefer that design and it slots in anywhere like it's it's the smallest xbox they've ever done so i think that just appeals to my inner gadget 
person. And it, it does everything the Xbox Series X does pretty much, um, just at a lower resolution. That's probably yeah. the easiest way to describe it. Well, a lower resolution, but also you're going to need to juggle storage way more often with it. Yeah, that's the worst part about it. That's the kind of, I feel like, so it's 512 gig uh, SSD. Okay. It's actually usable is 364. So that's the okay. only thing that actually matters. Um, and there's like, there's there's definitely 100 gig games. Like how, how yeah. big is Call of Duty? I've... Call of Duty is like 105, I think. Yeah. De- Destiny is like 108, although it's going to get, gonna get smaller. Mm-hmm. So like if you store one of those, you've you got like another four or five games, maybe. Maybe. Um, right. Maybe even less than that. Um, and then you're full, which is like ouch and the storage expansion is super expensive yeah it's like 220 dollars so that puts the price up to nearly 520 if you go for that and that's more than the series x (laughs) and all right yeah you are getting half a gig extra storage but that's not the point yeah i just the storage situation is a problem i feel like microsoft could have brought out different sizes of those storage cards and that would have helped um but ultimately they're probably going to introduce a one terabyte you know, Series S at some point in the future, surely. So, which will address that, but it doesn't help right now. So, um, that's 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 the big drawback I see at the moment. So, one thing I want to ask about: we're going to talk about the PS5 and its insane hardware in a minute. But you know, it just—I've talked to you about it. I talked to Andrew about it. The controller of the PS5 is the thing, right? I mean, it, the the haptics yeah. and controller seem like it's stand out. Wow, this is a new experience. Is there? Anything like that with the Xboxes? Um, no, like no, not like the Dieter's controller. Dieter's shaking his. I just see Dieter shaking. There's his one head. thing I think that is actually that the Xbox has that the PS5 lacks. Oh, quick resume. Quick resume. Yeah, yeah, but like the PS5 has like similar like techniques like to get there. Um, it's not quite the same, but yeah, um, quick resume like basically lets you cycle between sort of I say five or six because that's the rough good estimate um, it could be more it could be less um, but five or six games they load in like sometimes they load in like a few seconds but usually within 10 seconds um, so super good if you're playing like my best example is if you're playing in the middle of playing like Ori like a single player game and then your friend invites you to play Fortnite or something and you're like oh now I need to like finish this and get to a save point or you don't you just hit the invite and go into the other game like you don't you start to forget about save points. Um, so it's pretty good for that. That Yeah, that is that is the Xbox's killer feature, for sure. But, I mean, that's the Xbox's killer feature, but it, it's... it's uh, But it's software, right? So, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas the PS5, the controller, like, it's genuinely... I don't want to say game changing, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I just said it. I mean, in the, in the one narrow sense... It is. It's so literally game changing. Uh, Well, well, actually, let's take a break and come back and talk about the PS5. Viren and Andrew actually reviewed that console. That review's out. You wrote a description of how the controller works. There's just a lot to talk about. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Avast, a global leader in cybersecurity. When you move across the internet, you leave digital breadcrumbs behind you, valuable information on things like your location, health, and finances. Data brokers can sell this information to third parties, which can have serious consequences. Avast BreachGuard automatically scans the web for your data and gets your data back from broker databases so third parties can't take advantage. Avast also alerts you if your passwords have been leaked so you stay protected from all sides. With our digital footprints growing bigger every day, it's important to have backup to help keep us safe. Join over 435 million users who trust Avast to keep them private and protected online. Don't worry about viruses, phishing attacks, ransomware, hacking attempts, or cybercrime, because Avast has your back. Learn more about Avast's privacy, security, and performance products at avast.com. Okay, we're back. PS5. PS5. It's big. It, it looks so ridiculous. It's, it is amazing to me how the design of this console is it's so wacky that I'm like, I should buy an Xbox. Is that? Yeah. Is, that's weird, right? Like, that's not how you're supposed to think about uh, consoles. Yeah, like, as, as someone who, like, values what their living room looks like and, and is very, very intricate about it, like, the PS5 is just a big no-no to me. Like, yeah. I just can't, I can't put it in anywhere where it doesn't really, like, just jut out and scream, like, hey, I'm here. Well, I mean, literally last week, Ashley on the show was like, if I walked in my boyfriend's living room and saw a PS5, I'd be like, get that out of here. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, that's an indictment of this thing. But yeah. uh, ideally, you know, this is your big moment. You're going to buy a new TV, maybe a new soundbar. 
you're going to tuck all the stuff away in a closet. This a is my closet? plan. You're going to, yeah, you're going to do like an AV rack closet. I, right? I live you're in gonna, an apartment. <laughs> I'm just saying, get a better house. Am I going to run a 50 foot HDMI 2.1 cable? Like uh, that's going to yeah. cost $3,000. <laughs> Look, Dieter, we all make sacrifices. <laughs> this is the time that the, this is the first console that really justifies home renovation because you don't want it out in public. But, but if you live in a mansion like that, you can have a PS5 in every room, right? right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so design, well, actually let's talk about, it. you've got it there. You were saying earlier, like it looks imposing, Talk about the actual design of the thing and how it, how using it, it just plays out. Is it, do you just get used to it? Is it? Yeah. Like I, I don't feel like I've really got used to the design, to be honest. Um, I think just because I've, I've slotted it into my TV stand and it looks kind of goofy on its side. I try to stand it up and I'm like, I just have to put it on the floor because it's, it just doesn't really fit in with my living room right now. So I haven't really gotten used to it. Um, but I will say like, they're just boxes that you shove under your TV ultimately. Like you're yeah. going to have to figure out a better way to shove them under it. But yeah. ultimately once it's under there and it's out of the way and it's a few months down the line, it's like stuff like the controller and all the new sort of games and the content selection that really matters. Right. Um, and it is that, that controller is like, yeah, like that's the thing. <laughs> Before we talk about good hardware, uh, one of the things that Andrew pointed out and Veer knows this too, and he actually showed it to me, the stand for the console, theoretically, this is only a problem once, but it's actually really weird and complicated and strange. And it's got like, you do a twist thing and then there's a hidden chamber where the screw goes. And it's like- It literally took me like 10 minutes to work out. Like, you, 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 like this is the most confusing thing I think I've ever it, unboxed in like- probably like 10 years where like I, I never usually unbox like a phone or a laptop and don't know how to do something on it and have to go into the manual right. there's usually like a sticker or something yeah. that just guides you there's like nothing and i didn't realize that you had to twist it right and it's just it took me a while to figure it out but once you twist it there's like a little screw inside you take it out of its little compartment <laughs> you free it <laughs> there's a secret compartment for a screw i mean yes. come on <laughs> I think, uh, was it Submit at Polygon who thought that was so clever? He wrote an entire post about it. <laughs> yeah. it's, mm. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, you, it's been a long time since there's been a new console generation. <laughs> we need to write about one screw. Like, you, you like pull the screw out and like, a, you know, you get a PlayStation trophy on your screen. No, you don't. But like, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's, I, the stand is pointless. I'm just going to say that. Like I have it, where is it? It's on the floor right now, but I have it on the floor without the stand. It stands yeah. fine without the stand. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't understand why it, there's a stand. Um, <laughs> but on its side, you kind of need it because it does a little bit of a weird wobbly balancing right. act otherwise. Um, you know, uh, it's funny. I bet there's going to be like cases for the PS5. <laughs> oh, there's there's already third-party wings that you can get. Then yeah. Sony had to like tamp it down because they were using the wrong branding or whatever. Oh so there's going to be a whole lot of shady plastic things that you can replace the the wings with yeah if you if you're look if you are a tiktok hustler with a 3d printer out there <laughs> there is a market for you right now to square off the ps5 think about it <laughs> mm. uh, okay so that's the, I mean, we can dunk on the design we've been dunking the design for months quite honestly but you've got it i mean you've used it tell me more about this controller because that that it's the one that we we've made you know we've written about it we've shown pictures everyone who's come into contact with it has said it's amazing it's, it feels like one of those things where people are going to have to go and experience it to really get it. Uh, but it, it just seems like a, a step change, a game changer, if you will, uh, for how we how we think about video game controllers. Yeah, like it is, is very different. Um, obviously, a lot of um, controllers have had haptics and rumble features over the years. You can go all the way back to like N64 days if you want. Um, but like... It's not that, right? It, the best way, like, so there's a packing game that comes built into the console. Um, so it's called Astro's Playroom. And I think it's it's the one thing that everyone, if you buy a PS5, you just, just play that game before you do anything else um, because it's such, such a good demonstration of the controller. And like you, the first thing you do is you're sat on like a tiny little fan and then you slide down and collect coins along the way. And as you come off that fan, everything about, where you're walking feels different. Like it almost feels like you can feel the material beneath your feet changing. Um, and you slide down and it feels like there's a hard slide beneath your, your, the palms of your hands. Um, and then you get onto the sand, it's like a pitter patter underneath your feet and you get onto like the wood and it all feels very different. Um, 
and it really like you start to feel it and you, you you know it's like one of those delighters um you're like oh this is nice this is cool and you think oh this is cool and then you pull like a rope and the actual tension on the triggers adjust so it's like it's fighting with you the actual controller is fight, physically fighting with you um to, to make you feel like you're pulling that rope and opening that door um and it's that that's like the the very different part i think it's more the triggers the haptics are amazing i think they're better than uh nintendo switch haptics they're they're as good or better than the iphone haptics it's that subtlety that you get you know like mm-hmm. on an iphone you hold down the flashlight and you get that like slight that's like um haptic feedback it's like that but just imagine feeling that across your palms and feeling like and like in spider-man like a rhino comes and just stomps and it like stumps across your hands so it feels like he you're getting the weight of him mm. it's really yeah it's, it's it's hard to like describe without feeling it really is one of those things um but the, the real turning point for me with the controller is when it, um in astro's like a couple of minutes in you turn into like a spring-loaded um gadget toy thing and you literally feel the tension of the you have to pull on the tension of the the triggers to really get the spring to like release and you just feel them releasing it's just i don't know everything about it just the feedback was just great like it really felt like you were controlling that spring it's, it's just crazy <laughs> the big question for me especially with the tension on the triggers one i really hope game designers think through these things and don't just like turn everything up to max just because it's there yeah um but two I hope game designers actually code to it, right? Like, PS5 is going to get some exclusives, but there's going to have a bunch of cross-platform games. Yeah, and I think that's that's the question over at the moment is like, how much will this be used? And like in Spider Man, it doesn't feel as prevalent. Um, right. It's de- like Astros is definitely a showcase. It's you know showing off the new controller, but then I think Fortnite they're adding like some SMG effects, so you bids feel the guns will feel different when you shoot. Um, and another game, and I can't remember what it's called, um, but like the trigger will lock up when your gun locks up, which is oh, like wow. crazy. <laughs> um, which is like a crazy different sort of element that we haven't had before. Yeah. Um, and then like in uh, NBA, uh, you'll, you'll be like running along and your, your character will get tired. So then it becomes increased, you know, the, the, the resistance is there. So you have to really push down to like get him to like start moving again. Oh my gosh. I mean, I always blame the controller when I lose and now it'll be real. It'll be true. But, but that to me seems... You know, our conversation around the Xboxes was lots of graphical improvements, a new game distribution system. Are you going to buy the Series S for your bedroom TV that's 1080p? This is this conversation is there's a meaningfully different way to experience video games because of the controller. And that, regardless of how ridiculous the box looks, that to me, that's like the deciding factor. If you're thinking PS5 versus Xbox and you know Sony's going to, come with a game library because that's mm-hmm. how Sony does it. And Microsoft made all these acquisitions. They got to spin it up. Like, why wouldn't... Because it looks so dumb in my living room and I'll get in trouble. <laughs> but that's like all we got. That's the knock. It's like Sony was like, oh, it's too good. Make it look like Cybertron. That's the thing. Like, the best console would be, I think, the one that had, like, the design of the Xbox. I mean, the design of the Xbox isn't great, but like the design of the Series S <laughs> with the controller of the PS5 and like a mixture of like Game Pass and Sony's exclusives. That would be like the dream console, right? It's the same as like if you mixed Android and iOS together. Like yeah. there isn't a perfect one, but there's, I think like the Xbox does also feel different in games, but for different reasons. Like they games games feel different because they're running smoothly. They don't feel different in your hand. And and then the PS5 is obviously going to make games run like as smoothly as well. Um, but that controller is definitely, is like the key thing to the PS5 to me. So the PS5 doesn't have the quick resume feature that lets you bounce between four different games, but the load time is still really good. And they have this, they, they, they redesigned their home screen. So it's got the same tiles at the top, but at least they put media off in the corner in a different tab. Uh, but then when you hover over an icon, there's all these options to like jump to a different part of the game or like experience, like do this thing here. So there's like a second row of tiles for doing stuff did you use that stuff was it was it cool i haven't really used that much um but yeah like you basically can jump into like say say like fortnite we can't test fortnite yet but like the idea in fortnite is that you just jump into the mode that you want to load up rather than have to you know worry about going through all the menus and selecting everything so it's like you know what it reminds me of do you remember like the deep linking like windows phone like from the Mm -hmm. tile where you'd pin a tile and then it would go deep into the app that sort of thing. Um, it reminds me of that. Um, and I think that's great because like, it's, as long as all the devs support it and stuff, like that's a really good experience. Cause you just, it's just so much quicker to like, 
because half the time you're watching splash screens or like some part of the eula that you don't care about um you just you just want to get like into the game right so it's it's an interesting way of handling it so one of the things we should talk about is how these things are going to get to people right i mean so we're talking about these controllers are you got to feel them to really understand it in, in any normal circumstance i'd be like go to best buy and try it out but it, it's obviously there's a pandemic you shouldn't do that even if you could and I don't think that you can. So Best Buy has announced that Xbox and PS5s are only going to be sold online for the entire holiday season. Sony is basically telling people not to line up at stores on the release date. It, it just feels like this thing is going to be very different for people to get the units. We are expecting them to sell out, obviously. How is that part playing out for both of the consoles? Yes, yeah, so that's kind of a bit of an unknown at the moment because so... I don't think Microsoft's doing quite the same. I feel like they're still going to be in stores, um, as far as I'm aware. Um, they haven't announced any anything different. But I think the demand and like the supply is going to be interesting. Um, I feel like these things are going to be um, pretty highly in demand, um, especially over the festive period. So I've, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't really see the ability to get them in stores until like early next year, just generally across stores anyway. Yeah, I mean, online pre-orders were an absolute fiasco for both of these. There's going to be launch day things available at some websites. And uh, the chance, like the people that couldn't get in on pre-orders are going to be even more eager to try and get in this time. The bots are going to go crazy on these websites. They're going to know what times to show up. You know, the the old Tickle Me Elmo, like people like rushing into the store and there was a frenzy to get one and they're beating each other up and whatever. We're going to have the online equivalent of that <laughs> for the next three months. Just I'm just I've just given up trying. I, I want one or both of these. And I just know it's going to be such a pain to do it that I've just in my heart accepted that me playing on either one of these consoles is a mid 2021 thing. Yeah, I mean that's probably that's probably fair to be honest. I think like the Series S will probably be. I, f- I feel like Microsoft's going to sort of push a lot of those out into the market, so I feel like that will probably be easier to get. But who? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it, I the whole series. I mean, this is your framing, and maybe it's not Microsoft's framing, but the the Series S is the the second one that you buy. Well, yeah, I mean it's the budget one. Or, or like the one for your bedroom or your kids, you know, kids to play for now. Yeah, it's the one. But that's what I mean. It's the if you have a 4K TV, which many, many people do now, you want to get the most out of it. And so, like, my, I, it's just I, when the Xbox One X was out and all of the stores were full of Xbox One S's, I was always like, well, I don't want that one. I want the I want the. I want the good one. And I just, I feel like that's, we're going to see a lot of series S stock just like floating around. Cause everyone, everyone upgrading to a new console generation is going to want the biggest and baddest one. And then, and then you'll sort of fill your other rooms. Yeah. Like the early adopters are going to want the, the latest and the greatest. They don't want, you know, something that's, that's not doing 4k, but yeah, like if I don't know, I don't know what availability is going to be like, but it's, the pre-orders are such a mess that you can just tell. Like, and the, the Nvidia graphics cards have been a di- like even worse of a disaster. Like, there's just there's just none of them. Like, and who knows how many consoles Microsoft and Sony are making? Is Sony making more than Microsoft? We don't know. Like, we should point out here too that demand for game consoles overall is through the roof. Nintendo had uh, earnings this week. Switch Switch sales are continuing to be so good that they've actually raised their forecast for the Switch. So even in the face of massive next-gen console launches, Switch sales are just clipping right along at, at high rates. So I do think it, this is going to be something to to track. Although, just having had this conversation, I'm going to buy a PS5. I'm just saying it. I'm saying it out loud. I'll buy them both. We should, <laughs> we should talk about one last console thing before we break, and that is um, how exciting it's going to be to try and make sure that the next TV you buy successfully has all the features and lights that you want for your console. <laughs> no, so I have promised a one-hour HDMI deep dive. I've never had a one-off joke on the podcast result in so many people saying, actually, that would be great. <laughs> Please give us the one-hour HDMI deep dive. Here's my promise to you. When when it's over, when, when this election chaos is over, which we are hoping is soon, we will provide the soothing relief that brings our nation together of having Tom and Chris Welch. We're just going to go deep into HDMI into 120 Hertz. We're going to see what Tom's running. Chris has been reviewing TVs. 
we're, we're going to talk about monster cables. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> shielded, unshielded. You got a big decisions to be made. Cable balance. Oh yeah. I was so disappointed when I plugged the series X into my 1440p monitor, which is like, it does 165 Hertz through display port, but it only does 60 Hertz through HDMI. Cause the manufacturer was like, I'm not putting a HDMI two in here. Cause like no one uses it anyway. And it's like, so I can't use the 120 Hertz mode. At all. We're gonna get the, the we're gonna get the president of HDMI on the phone, whoever that is. Look, it's an industry organization that's powerful enough to put its logo, like its weird logo, True. on the back of the Xbox Series X. Not one, but twice. <laughs> it's like if you look at it, it's like what is the one organization that got its logo on there? Not once, but twice. It's HDMI. HDMI. It's the killer. Is anybody confused about how the Xbox connects? <laughs> uh, so I, I promise, I'll, it just as a form of self care for for me. We will deliver the one hour. It's a, it's like a treat that we're going to give ourselves. Let's take another break. We got to come back. There's an Apple event next week. We should probably talk about that a little bit. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content. We now have 2.3 million people incarcerated in America. Less than 7% of them are incarcerated for violent crime. That's attorney Jeffrey Robinson, director of the ACLU Trone Center for Justice and Equality. His work inspired the making of Who We Are, a podcast by Ben & Jerry's. Who We Are, a chronicle of racism in America, is hosted by Peabody award-winning journalist Carvel Wallace. Surely you knew this was a racist country. What does that mean for us today? The prison population in the United States has increased 700% since 1970. Black Americans make up almost 40% of it. We didn't get here by accident. I didn't know these things because I hadn't been taught them. And then the question is, why wasn't I taught them? Because this information, it may be hidden, but it's hiding in plain sight. Who We Are takes a historic look at the disease of racism in America and traces it back to its tipping points. This includes the tipping point we're at today. I think Americans are watching and thinking and looking at this issue in ways they never have before. And that's why I say this is our last best chance. Because if we don't get it right this time, where America is headed is someplace I don't think anybody wants to go. How do we make our last best chance count? Listen to Who We Are, a podcast by Ben and Jerry's and now streaming wherever you get your podcasts. Dieter. Yeah. I got to say, Apple is like, it's just like, this is the, the, one of the deadest weeks of like tech. Uh, you know, there's obviously like reviews of things coming out. Yeah. And those embargoes were long set. Mm-hmm. But in terms of people like making news, one of the deadest weeks in tech ever. I thought it was a perfect week for me to relaunch my uh, tech my tech news newsletter. My guys, this <laughs> yeah, has been exactly. great. It just Apple's like, oh yeah, it's Monday. Nothing's happening tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> here's a <laughs> Here's an event invite for next week. And the event invite was one more thing. And it's like, if there was ever a time when I didn't need one more thing, it was the day before the election. <laughs> and it's on Xbox launch day, the event. And also on Xbox. It was just a lot. It's like, where does Apple live? Apple lives above geopolitical yeah. uh, like chaos. It lives, lives above other companies. So one more thing event. Uh, on the last earnings call, Apple had earnings, a weird quarter as you would expect for them. iPhone pushed into October, iPhone sales flat because there's not a new one, Mac sales way up. But on that earnings, but Apple did fine. They made a lot of money, just their mix of products a little bit, little bit different. But on that call, Tim Cook said, we have some great things coming up for the year. We have been expecting, they announced that they would have ARM Macs before the end of the year. Here's a big event. One more thing. Yep. Everyone's expecting it. Apple's not tamping down those expectations as they've done in the past <laughs> with their events. Here we go. Yeah. So Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg uh, says that currently they're ramping up production on new 13 and 16-inch MacBook Pros and a new 13-inch MacBook Air. And uh, that at this event, what we are expecting to get are going to be the 13-inch MacBook Pro and MacBook Air that are going to look identical to the current versions, but have Apple Silicon inside. That's like, if you were to... Stay, like, what's the most default prediction you could make? That's just what do we what what it's going to be? It's that. What one interesting thing about Gurman's report? He said the processor would be based on the A14, which it makes sense in many ways. 
the current developer unit Mac that's running an A series chip. I think has an A twelve Z Bionic, something like that. Yeah, it's the it's the one in the iPad Pro. So it makes sense they would just jump to the next one. But there have been a lot of conversations about what if you don't have to manage heat on a mobile device? Mm-hmm. What if you can add even more GPU cores to bring up to that what you would consider desktop class performance? So I think there's a lot of questions about what this chip will actually be. I don't think it's a dead ahead A14. Right. Well, so they can they can they can put in just more CPU cores. They can go put in GPU cores. There's going to be you know. But Ionic machine learning stuff, who knows what that's going to do uh, in a Mac context. My hope is that they do something specific with the chip to handle running apps that aren't designed for ARM, right? That, that they specifically have some sort of really good subsystem that the chip powers to speed up apps that haven't specifically been designed for these new chips. I'm sorry, I misspoke. It's an A13Z Bionic, and, then, and I said A12. It's an a you understand. I'm I'm kind of surprised that they're doing a MacBook Pro with the ARM. Like I thought, I f- I honestly thought that they would bring back MacBook. So did I. That's what I. That's what I wanted. Yeah, and just and go the ARM route like that way. So I'm surprised that they're going the Pro first. They must be very confident in like the performances that these will deliver. And I think this is the test period for this. Um, yeah, they've been on stage like a bunch over the last couple of years and touting their performance against you know basically like uh, uh, basic uh, windows laptops even against xbox consoles you know, on the mm-hmm. gpu side and i think this is the real test right isn't it like this is the it's coming to life like it, all the everything's lining up yeah so i think it's really going to put the pressure on qualcomm yeah i mean putting putting the pro this week is a huge chest thump moment i really hope that apple finds a way to differentiate it from those previous chest moments you've talked about, they need to do more than just show a final cut render time, right? They need to do more than, you know, the sort of standard performance stuff that we know it's probably going to be fine at. They need to show us something where we don't think it's going to perform well or we're we're nervous about it performing well Mm -hmm. and it just kills. That's what I want to see out of them. Well, I mean, the the first thing to show us is either either they're calling it Rosetta again, but that's their on-the-fly translation layer between standard x86 apps and arm that's the thing i want to see i want to i want to see them running lightroom or photoshop the x86 version going through rosetta and working just fine if not better without destroying the battery life of this new thing like i think that's a first test you know apple's managed a processor transition before i think they know they have to show that to people and then i think their second test is what's what can you do now in this form factor is it everything the same was basically the same as ever but battery life has been doubled or is it, you know, it's sort of the Apple world is like, we've picked a number of hours of battery life that we, we think is reasonable and that's what you get. Right. I mean, that's like basically how they, they, that's how they handle the phones. Right. It's like, we, we think you can get a day. And so we're, we'll manage the battery instead of putting a huge battery in there, we'll get you a day and then the camera sensor will be bigger or something like that's the, the balance I'm interested in, particularly with the air, which has medium ish battery life right now, if they say, well, the performance is about the same, the battery life got way longer. Or if they're at, we're pretty happy with battery life. The performance is way off the charts. Right. Yeah. That's going to be the interesting trick, the tricky balance, right? Or even if they go, the performance is worse. Do you think they'd do that? I can't, I can't imagine so, but like, I just, there's no way they introduce a pro that's slower. Like they don't put a pro MacBook out there. Unless it's way faster, full stop. That's that's the thing that I was surprised to see that it was the MacBook Pro. I think because I, ju- yeah. I just figured that they would sort of this would be you know a gradual thing. Um, do, do you think they'll have LTE? Ooh, I don't that's know. like you know that's the benefit of ARM, right? Uh, yeah. on, on the Windows on ARM side is that's 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 the thing. I bet you the answer is no, and that it'll be once they fully integrated the Intel team mm-hmm. that they bought to make modems that that'll be what brings 5g to these laptops yeah oh my god i mean i would say apple has not been shy about shipping slow computers <laughs> right it's just it, that's kind of the history of this mac line it's like here's an intel part that's two generations behind we're gonna throttle it a little bit and sometimes you're gonna hear the fan and that's what using a mac is like so if they can just like how fat like these are the these are the apple traits that are kind of interesting to reconsider in this context. They are comfortable with a performance level. They are comfortable with a battery life. 
they manage those things to form factors that they think people like, as opposed to letting those things drive form factors, which many, many Windows uh, laptop makers do. And now they've got a new part that could let them go in a lot of different directions. And if they're just like, what we're going to do, because we don't want to blow people's minds right away with a big processor shift, is basically keep things as they are to bake it out and see where the problems are and say, well, the Intel ones are still there. Mm-hmm. Or if they're going to go whole hog, say, we've made the product 5,000 times better. Battery life is doubled. Performance is doubled. It weighs a pound less. I don't know. Just <laughs> stuff. Right? Like, if, if you just, like, you could get all there, and we've canceled the Intel version. Like, that's, I think that's, like, the boldest place for them to Yeah, be. I don't think they'll go that far. The real interesting part is going to be, like, how sustained the performance is. Because, obviously, on the Intel parts, they have, like, fans that the throttling can be controlled a lot better um and when what we see with the performance on like the iphones and the ipads is that they're very good at like short bursts of performance and like really optimized tasks um so i'd love to see like how how they'll build the software that way to like optimize the power of these chips in like short bursts of uh, of power or how they've been able to just sustain that uh, performance and and really push things forward um, like if we saw like a 4k export in premiere pro and it like blisteringly quick compared to whatever we see on Intel or, or anyone else. That that could be a turning point, like that sort of performance. I just want to know if Chrome cuts the battery life in half or in a, th- a third. I mean, that's like a big question mark, right? Like we'll see how fast the Chrome team moves their code base to ARM and makes an ARM version. I mean, I can tell you that the Chrome, the Chromium stuff on ARM is just not the, the only the only people that are really doing it is Microsoft, right? Like Google still doesn't contribute a whole bunch to that as far as I can see. And it's like strange that Chrome still isn't like fully optimized for Windows and ARM. Like there's no builds. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, but like regular heavy Chrome on a Mac is a battery life destroyer, yeah. a processor hog. Put that through a translation layer onto an unproven chip in this application. It's like, will Chrome light the, Mac, the new MacBook Air on fire? That's like that. <laughs> you know, if they did like post game press conferences after these keynotes, I'd be like, uh, excuse me, a uh, quick question. Uh, is it true that the MacBook Air will light on fire if you run <laughs> Chrome for more than an hour? <laughs> uh, so we'll see. That's happening on the 10th. We'll obviously have complete coverage of that. By the time you're listening to this, uh, Heim Gartenberg's hands on of the iPhone mini and Max size comparison little video will be up. I gotta say the Max looks enormous. Yeah. And I say this is a big phone person with big hands. Like that phone looks big. Go check that out. I'm very eager to see how this plays out and whether that size is as big as it seems like in this video. Because it's real big. Gadget stuff. Big, big week of gadgets. New uh, new DGI uh don't call it a Mavic. Mini two drone. Uh they still kept it at exactly the right weight to not have to deal with the F, uh, FAA, which I love. Yeah, it's funny because I bought it I bought a Mavic Mini one like two weeks ago. Really? I feel so dumb. What are you doing? I could have told you. There's rumors. Well, I needed... we. I was going to drive the truck through a puddle, and I wanted to fly the drone over. Oh, yeah. Well, then you need <laughs> one, of course. Yeah. You need, like, that Mac Rumors buying guide. <laughs> it's like everyone is, like, a bad time to buy at all times. Because <laughs> 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 they're always being updated. It's fine. It's just a toy to screw around with. I don't need OcuSync or 4K. I'm going to buy the new one. Okay. Yeah, you are. Absolutely buying the new one. Yeah, Tom, thanks for joining us. Check out PS5 review, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S reviews on the site. There are videos. Just commend everyone. Tom is obviously in in London. Like, we made a video across the ocean. That's pretty cool. Check it out. Um, And then we got Apple event next week. So big week of gadget news going into another big week of gadget news. Excited for it. If... What you came here for, some deep platform policy talk. We got a whole other mini episode in the feed right now as well. Okay. You can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. Dieter's at Backlon. Tom is at Tom Warren. That's it. Rock and roll. Wear a mask.